But I want to talk to you tonight about faith action. And I want to preface it with the Christian walk should be a joy. And working for the kingdom should be a joy. And unfortunately, from this side of the pulpit, sometimes the ministers haven't made it be a joy. And I'm not getting, you know, I'm not trying to pick on any ministry or anything. But I've been in enough churches and I've seen enough where, you know, it's like sometimes it's like being on the Titanic because it's like, you know, if you don't, you know, if you don't do this, you know, you have to do this and we, we need this and we need that. And let's face it, if you're still working and you're still dealing with things, You don't want to come in to church and get another pile of stuff put on you that you have to do. So when we talk about faith action, I want you to relax a little bit. And don't think that I'm going to try to be whipping you into submission and whipping you by saying, you know, well, here's our 30 sign-up sheets that we have for every job in the church that we need filled. Because I'm going to show you a secret way on how to get things filled in the church. And we'll have that later. But the first thing I wanted to do, and I forgot to, I tried so hard to keep it um, to a reasonable time. And I like the clock there because I can see everything. I used to wear a watch and the watch was kind of slippery around so I'd always be fiddling with it. And now I can just see what time it is, which is very nice. But I wanted to start with Colossians 3:23. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Everything you do for God, you do it as unto the Lord. This way here, when people fail you, and you've put time into a ministry, you've put time into different things, and it fails, you remind yourself that you've done it for the Lord, not for other people. It's very important to remember everything you do is you do it unto the Lord. You don't do it unto Pastor Clarence and myself. You do it as unto the Lord, because that's where you're going to get your reward from. We can fail you. Not that we would do it intentionally. We might hurt your feelings sometimes. Not that we would do it intentionally. But there's always those times where you have to remind yourself you're doing it as unto the Lord. What we do for faith, we've we've spent three weeks talking about how it's not by works. And now I want to kind of expand on that because getting into the kingdom is not by works. He's leveled the playing field so that everybody can get into the kingdom. We talked about it this morning. It's so funny how these Sunday school lessons just go along with everything that we're preaching. It's like the theme of the day is. And, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that's all you have to do for salvation. You have to believe that you're a sinner, believe that you have a sin problem, believe that Jesus is the answer to the sin problem, want your sin problem erased by Jesus. That's how simple salvation is. But so Paul spent time speaking about justification by faith and not by works. 
So sometimes we get confused because we say, well, all right, Paul said that, but then now in James we hear about, we read about works. So there's two things that I want you to remember. First of all, people can't see your faith, but they see what you do. They see how you treat other people. They see how you react to things. They see your character. They can't see your faith, but they see your character. Character is like the most important thing in your walk with the Lord. When we came into Christ, we all had a character flaw, and that was that we were in darkness. Once we came to Christ, we started to take care of that. God, sometimes we had a lot of character flaws. Sometimes we had a little little bit less because we were raised right. But we all had character issues. People can't see your faith. They can see how you walk. Like Paula said this morning, you know, if you're if you're out there talking about, oh, you know, this one in the church and that one in the church, and then you're trying to invite somebody to church, <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I think next week, next week is about the tongue. It's about that passage, that little fiery passage in James. We're going to talk about that. This week is about what you do. It says in James 2.26, For just as the human body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. Everything we should do, we should wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And that's how things get done. Lord, what would you have me to do? And I recognize that we all have different ways that we work. When Clarence and I traveled, we'd get home. Sometimes we'd get home so late if we were out on the road, and it would be like 1 in the morning, and he has to put everything away when he gets home. He has to. It's like I'd be pleading with him, please, no, can we just, can we just go to bed? Do we have to, unlo- we have to unpack, not only unpack the suitcase, but we have to put everything away. Everything has to be, not me, I can wait until the morning and do it. But so you have to recognize your temperament and the way some things just drive me crazy and some things drive him crazy. You know, it's your temperament. So you have to realize when we're talking about works that if you're working on a team somewhere, that not everybody's going to think like you. Not everybody's going to work like you. And there's a way to do things, right? And then there's a way not to do things, but there's also ways in between the way to do things and the way not to do things that are perfectly acceptable. He doesn't do dishes the way I do, but he does dishes. I mean, come on, ladies, he does dishes. And he pretty much cleans them before he gets them in the, in the, the soap. I just kind of clean them, I soap them, I clean them, and I'm, I'm done. But he's very methodical about everything. And you know what? I don't care. It gets done. So you see, there's two different ways to do the same task, but the end result is it gets done. And sometimes we get so stubborn in our homes and our business, things don't get done the way we want them to get done. We get very upset and very nervous. I mean, I would get upset if he left like half the food on the plate. And sometimes if I, I'll come by and I'll dry them for him and I'll look at it and I'll say, no, this one's got to go back. And I feel like I've won something because he's so methodical. It's like, how could you even miss this? But he does occasionally. 
But you have to realize when we talk about works and we talk about things, recognize that we're all different with things. You know, washing a car, what's the proper way to wash a car? You know, there's there's several ideas. There's several ideas on how to do things. So just because somebody's doing something different from you doesn't mean that it's wrong. I guess is what I'm trying to tell you is that there's several ways to do things. And when we start talking about faith action is sometimes when people do things the way that we don't want them done, it makes us very upset. And then we start having those thoughts about that other person. You know, like they're doing it wrong because I'm, I'm the only one who's got this right. So those attitudes we have to change. We have to change our attitudes, especially as people come into the body of Christ and they want to help somewhere. You know, and we don't want to run them off just because they don't do things. Now, there is a protocol and there is an order, and I'm not saying we do things sloppy, but there's some things that we just have to be able to teach somebody else how to do it. And then we have to realize that there are many ways. There's one way to get to God, but there's sometimes many ways to complete a task. Amen? And our way isn't always the right way or the best way or, you know, there's other ways to do things. So we can't be high and mighty that we know everything. And when we talk about works, um, it's very hard for me because I came out of the work you know, the whip and the work at church. You know, it was with everybody standing up and saying, well, the church isn't growing. You know, if you people don't bring people here, then the church isn't going to grow. You know, that's what I came out of. So this lesson was kind of hard for me because I don't ever, ever want to do that to anybody. You know, well, you know, if you don't hook up with the vision, you don't do this, if you don't do that. You got enough of that in your work world, I bet. I bet you got enough of that when you're in the work world and you've got a boss and you've got other co-employers and you've got people. You don't need that when you come to church. Amen? You know, you don't need, well, you know, we got to, if you don't do it, I mean, I told you the last time we met, we're just not going to do it. If we don't have enough people for children's church, we're not going to do it on Sunday morning. But I'm praying that God's going to speak to people that are going to start coming in and want to be a part of it and want to do it. But we're not going to stand up here and and whip people. You know why? Because it won't last. You might say, yeah, I'll do it. And then, you know, you're going to do it for like two weeks and then you're gone because that wasn't where God was calling you. But you you were being almost extorted into doing that. And we don't ever want that motive here. We want joy. Doesn't it feel good when you walk in this door? Good atmosphere. It's 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 light. It's not there's not, you know, well, you know, if we don't do this and you know and, and then people get this marketing mentality of, you know, twenty percent of the people do eighty five percent of the work in the church. You know, well what's it make the twenty percent feel like? It's like twenty percent. That's me, 85%. You know, so we don't want to have that kind of mentality at Faith Assembly Church, amen? We don't want to do that. I would never, I don't want people to feel like that. I want people to feel to come in and you're going to find your place 
at Faith Assembly Church. And not only are you going to find your place, you're going to be happy because it's going to be a God-given assignment. Amen? And everybody's got work to do. And even if you're older and you can't move around and you're frustrated because your body won't cooperate, well, then it's time to reinvent yourself. Amen? It's time to reinvent yourself. Well, what do you mean by that, Sister Pat? Well, I mean that when you were younger, you used to climb on the roof, and now you can't do that. And you can hardly get in here, and you need a walker to do it. So, all right, so climbing the roof, let's check that off. But let's ask God, what can I do? And it might be as simple enough as walking through that door with a smile on your face, asking somebody, is there anything I can pray for you this week? You know, it might be, I don't know, emptying out trash cans after the service. It might be something simple. It might be washing a window. I don't know. That's up to God to speak to you, and it's up to you to seek God. But see, we fall into self-pity. I think as we get older, when we can't do things anymore, and I'm starting to find things that I can't do, and I'm still young, but it's irritating to me sometimes when I kneel down. I I fell over a curb probably about six weeks ago now. I don't know what the heck happened to my knee, but I can't still kneel on it. It's still kind of tender and it hurts. And I thought, wow, that should already be fixed. So I asked Clarence, he goes, well, he goes, maybe we should have an x-ray. I said, would you just lay your hands on this and pray for me? I'm not asking for an x-ray. I'm asking for help. Sometimes, though, as you get older, you know, and we can all attest to different things that just don't work the way they used to work. You know, if you could used to run a marathon and now you can hardly get up and get out and then get to your kitchen in the morning. You know, running the marathon, let's just cross that off. Okay, God, I can't run the marathon anymore, but there is something I can do because you've left me on this planet. So I still have a purpose. Don't let self-pity engulf you because you can't do what you used to do. Don't let that feeling that you're useless engulf you. If you were useless, God would kill you and take you home. Amen? Come on. Is that true or not? You're not useless. Why does God spend all that time with you and everything else? So that at the end of your life, you can just sit there and be useless and feel bad for yourself. No, that's not my God. He doesn't do that. But unfortunately, people don't hear messages like this. That if you can't climb on the roof anymore, and if you can't do what you used to do anymore, then ask God to reinvent you and remake you. Amen? There's plenty of things. Look, Hillsdale College, they have free college classes. All you have to do is learn how to get on the Internet. And you can learn all about the Constitution. I mean, there's so many things that you can do that doesn't take physical stamina to do. But we just haven't been told that that's what, you know, our culture is. Well, you know, if you get old, that's just the way it is. You just can't do what you can do anymore. And, you know, you just have to just kind of crawl to the finish line and just, you know. And that's not the way I want to live. How about you? I want to live with a purpose. I want to say, Lord, what, do you, what would you have me to do? I can't do what I could do when I was 35, but now here I am, and Lord, you didn't put all this into me, 
So now what would you have me to do? I'm going to reinvent myself, Lord, with your creativity. And God will show you what to do. But you've got to dare to say that. And then you've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself and the things that you lack. Because guess what? You're, we're all getting older. It isn't going to get any better if you have a bad attitude and self-pity and everything else. But I'm telling you what, if you'll seek the Lord, I guarantee you that God's going to show you what you can do. Amen? So when we talk about faith action tonight, we're talking about seeking God and not just signing up for something because somebody's got almost a spiritual gun to your head saying, well, we got to get this done. You know, we're just not going to do it. I mean, that's not hard. It's not hard to figure out. I'm not going to wear myself out. I do a lot of things around here, but, but I like to do it. It's not that I have to do it. I want to do it. I get some crazy energy sometimes. I can't describe it because I don't, you know, we don't have family. We just had to adopt a grandchild. So now we got a grandchild here. <laughs> but, I mean, we don't have family that's distracting us here. And we don't have, you know, well, we have, we're making friends. I can't say that we don't have friends because we have friends. But it's not like our, our lives are different. Than, than maybe your life is, where we don't have, you know, family, family and obligations and stuff. It's just basically the two of us. I want to get a cat, but now I'm not thinking if we get a cat and I'm doing knitting and the cat's going to want the yarn and we're going to be fighting over who gets the yarn, so uh, maybe I don't want a cat. But we don't, so we have what, what our baby is right now is the church. So if I have time and you know, and if I feel like coming over here and doing something, I'll just come over and do it. And I don't feel like I'm under pressure to do it. I, but I get this weird energy sometimes. Yesterday I had about five minutes of weird energy. So we went out and weeded that thing that says faith assembly. Because <laughs> you know how much I hate weeding. I've made that known. But um, I hated seeing the weeds more than I hated weeding. So I told Clarence, we got to get out there and get that before tomorrow. But I had five minutes of weird energy in weeding and just went up and did it. So if you're led by the Holy Ghost, see, you've got things that you can do. And it doesn't take much to do. But you've got to go with that stuff. You've got to hear from the Lord and seek, seek him. So the first thing we need to do is reconcile the statements of Paul and James. Paul's statement says that we're justified by faith and not by works. And he's speaking about being born again, being justified by God, that you can't work your way into heaven. So that's when he talks about works, that's what he's talking about, is justification by works. We're not under the law anymore. We're justified because we believe in the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice. That's how we get into heaven. Now, James speaks of our faith being justified before men by our works. Okay? Now, we're justified by our works in front of men. So we're justified by faith in front of God. We're justified by our, by our works in front of men. Justification can mean absolution of guilt by God. Right? We're justified by the blood, by the blood only, or to defend and uphold. So we're defending and upholding the Christian faith is another way to say it. This, we're justified by works, the works that we do. Another, and your work can be having a good attitude that day or smiling 
or cleaning the church or singing or ministering or praying. There's a lot of different kinds of works. Some are physical effort, some are mental effort, but there's all kinds of things that you can do. And see, the the works that we do shows the gospel in front of men. And we have to know the difference because it's important to have faith and works. Amen. In Mark 16, you can write it down. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's the, that's the gospel. That's what he wants us to do. That's the major work is to go and proclaim the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who will believe. In my name they will cast out devils, they will drink, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents in their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And he went out and preached, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was with them and confirming the message by accompanying signs. The signs are not to make the conversion. The signs are used to confirm what's already been preached. In Luke 14, we see now he, Jesus was casting, it's Luke 11:14 through 16. Now he was casting out a devil that was mute. When the devil had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking a sign from heaven. And I read that scripture, and I looked in a a commentary, and he said they just saw the miracle. They just saw the, the deaf man, or the mute man, was delivered, the demon was cast out, and they they want a sign. They just said that two verses down, they wanted a sign, and they just saw that. And they didn't acknowledge it. What they wanted was a stunt. They didn't want a sign. They wanted a stunt. And I've heard in many places, you know, in, in church, oh, you know, we're going to create the atmosphere for God to just show up and show off. God doesn't have to show up and show off. Just look around at the creation. God's already showing off every day. When you've got breath in your lungs, he's showing off. We don't need a stunt. And he said a fool, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign. See, we think that, you know, if God would just open up a blinded eye or if a lame person would just walk, then word would get out in Aubrey and people would flock to this church. Well, how you win them is how you're going to keep them. You win them with miracles, you've got to keep them with miracles. You win them with the word and the gospel and solid teaching, you're going to keep them with the word and solid teaching. And the miracles are going to come through that. But see, we don't need God to just show up at some great revival meeting. You know, we need God every time we come through. From the time that Sunday school starts until the time we're done. We need God to show up in here. We don't need him just in some special revival meeting. It doesn't, it's not lasting fruit. That's just to encourage people. But that's not, and people get so disappointed. We have revival meetings and then all these people show up and then they don't show up the next week. Why? Because they just want to have some thrill. 
You know, God, if you win a, if you win them with a gimmick, you got to keep them with a gimmick. Why don't we just win people with a word? Why don't we just win them with solid character out in the community? Why don't we just win them with being people of God that people can notice that we're a different type of a people? And win people like that. The people that you rub shoulders with every day. And you've got a good attitude. And you're kind. And you're nice. And you don't talk about them. And you don't talk about to people in a bad way. You watch out what you say. And you just say nice things. And that doesn't mean that you're always, you know, if there's some, a problem, you just ignore it and go the other way. That's another teaching on boundaries and how to how to set a good boundary and how to stand your ground and how to how to make your how to make your point without being an ugly person making a point. I mean that's a whole different subject, but let's let's be kind when we go out. Amen. You know, let's tip good. Let's do things nice. Little things like that. People know that we're pastors here in Aubrey. You know, we go up to the Upper Park Cafe was it last week? Boy, they were busy and she was having a run around and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And then we said, that's okay. Just settle down. We're okay. We're okay. And there's times that you could get upset with it because really the service at that point was not okay. But he says, but James, in John 6:26, after he had fed the 5,000, See, some people get so enamored with the the big miracles, and all you have to do is look on the internet with all these people with you know these big prophetic words that God's going to do, and you know. And Jesus just fed the five thousand in, in John six, and he said, after that, the people were starting to seek him, and he said, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. That's John six twenty six. But you can go back and read everything. I don't want to. I want to make sure I get everything in. You know how you win them is how you're going to keep them. I want to win them with love. Amen. I want to win them with a smile. I want to win them that I'm friendly to them, and I and I they don't feel like I'm trying to notch my belt. You know, with with making a convert that I care about their lives, that I care about their children's lives, that we care about what happens to them. We don't want them to die and go to hell. We're going to do everything we can to help people. That's how I want to win people. That's how I want to grow the church. You know, we could have a giveaway. And those things really, honestly, they just don't work. A lot of things that I see in the body of Christ isn't really working to get a true convert. Not that they shouldn't do good things. But good things alone, without God behind it, anointing it, is only going to wear you out. It's going to exhaust you. It's going to make you crabby because it's one more thing that you have to do. So only the work that God anoints and tells you to do will produce the work, the results that God desires. It's only what God tells you to do is going to produce the works. The desire. So the first thing we have to do is have a loving attitude toward others. It's really easy to say because it's all pretty. Right now, nobody's in conflict sitting in these seats, right? Unless you had a fight right before you came in and you're sitting next to the person you fought with. 
But other than that, we should be pretty conflict-free. Amen? Right here? No problem. So when we get out there, it's a little different. Because sometimes we're not living with people that believe the way we do. Sometimes we've had fights with people. But we have to have a loving attitude toward people. We, have, we can't judge other people's worthiness by the world's standards. And this is in James. We're finally getting to the book of James. In chapter 2, it says, My fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus with an attitude of partiality toward people. Show no favoritism, no prejudice, no snobbery. For if a man comes into your church wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in dirty clothes also comes into your church, and you pay special attention to the one who wears fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in this good seat, and you tell the poor man, you stand over there or sit down on the floor by my footstool. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with wrong motives? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and as believers to be heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But if you, in contrast, have dishonored the poor man, he is it not the rich who oppress and exploit you and personally drag you into the court of law? Do they not blaspheme the precious name of Christ by which you are called? So, number one, first of all, have a loving attitude. You can't judge by anybody's clothes or, you know, some of the richest people are the people that don't maybe look so good on the outside. Maybe they haven't had training in personal hygiene and care and stuff. And that's just a, a thing that we can maybe help them with. But you don't know underneath all that dirt. You know, and where it says sometimes in in the scripture where it says, you know, some sins are out in the open and others are secret. Well, sometimes just because somebody looks a little scruffier, they just haven't been taught. And they need to be helped and, you know, they need to, to have some fellowship and people helping them do things. Because some people come in, you can put anything in a suit and have it look good. Okay, and I'm <laughs> you're the only one wearing a suit. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to make some subliminal. <laughs> no, we didn't have a fight this afternoon. As a matter of fact, I went to bring my notes in to have him check it, and he was sound asleep in his chair. He woke up and he said, "It's true. I can sleep anywhere." But I'm not. I'm not picking on him, please. But um. You can pretty much dress up somebody in a suit and have them look good, and they can have the darkest heart. And somebody who's maybe not dressed so nice because they don't have good clothes or they don't know how to dress or, you know, they could have a heart of gold. But we always think that person in the suit, wow, they look good, and you do look good in a suit. But, you know, we we judge I mean, is it just me? Is that anybody else? We have a tendency to look at people the way they look and automatically make certain assumptions about him. And this is what James said, don't do that. And why did he tell us that? It's because we have a tendency to do that. You know, he's saying walk in love. Don't judge somebody. 
Good God, I wish you could have seen me when I came in the kingdom. Thank God we had people that were able to help me. They were able to help me take better care of myself, better care of my home, better care of my children. Because I didn't know that much. I had to be taught. And what if they looked at me then and said, well, she's not going to ever amount to anything. Don't waste your time on that one. Well, would I be speaking in front of you today? Would I... Would the things that have happened to me along the way happen? I don't know. We can never go back and suppose. But isn't it nice the people that took their time with me, showed me how to cook better? You know, wasn't that good? It was a good thing. They showed me love. They they propped me up in areas. They prayed with me. They did nice things for me. And you don't ever forget those things. And don't ever forget where you came from. You know, because you just don't know when somebody comes in what they can be, what God intends them to be. Amen? So that's what he's saying in here. Don't don't show partiality. Don't be a snob. In verse 8, If, however, you are really fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, if you have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, prejudice, favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as offenders. So now we come to the part where we talk about works. You've got to have works and faith. And we're going to talk about two groups of people. And this is in Matthew 7. We read this the last time, and I want to read it again. Matthew 7, starting in verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Everybody say, I'm a good tree. You're a good tree. Amen. So what are you going to bear? Good fruit. That settles it. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So stop letting the devil beat you and saying you're not doing enough. Because you just made the confession that you're good, a good tree. Stop saying that you're, you're not good enough, that you can't bear good fruit. You're a good tree. Good, free, good trees can only bear what? So if you think you're not good enough, say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a good tree, and a good tree only bears good fruit. Amen? Amen. So stop trying to whip yourself. You know, well, I could have done that better. Well, you know, there's some apples that are this size, and there's some that are this size. I mean, you know, it's fruit. It's fruit. So don't beat yourself. If you're a good tree, good fruit. The devil would love to have a heyday with you and let you tell you everything that you've done wrong. You know, well, you know, you just didn't do that right. You just didn't do good enough. Doris, you didn't hit that note. You just, you did something wrong there. And, you know, you should have been doing that. And look at the way this is done. And, you know, guess what? You're a good tree and you bear good fruit. And leave it at that. Amen? And move on. 
Because a lot of people are afraid to do anything because they've been beaten so bad by somebody who tells them that they're not good enough to do that. Huh, you want to stand up and teach? No. You, know, you want to do that? No, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, you're just not good enough. You can't do those dishes. You can't do your dishes like that. You know, what, why are you doing that? You're just using like 20 gallons of water to do it like that. All right, but if you're a good tree, you're bearing good fruit. And a lot of people are afraid to step out with what God has called them to do because the devil lies to them and they believe the lie that they're just not good enough. Amen? I'm here to tell you tonight, if you're a good tree, you're good enough. As you mature, your fruit's going to get better. Amen? That's just the way it is. You're not going to expect... Somebody who's stepping out in a calling, and you're stepping out for the first time, you're not going to do it as well. You ever remember the first time you got behind the wheel of a car? I hope you're all driving better than the first time that you got behind the wheel. Do you ever think about the first time you did something? It wasn't that great. But after a while, with practice, you got better. So a lot of times we're afraid to volunteer for something. We're afraid, you know, God might say, well, you know, you should help out in Sunday school or children's church. And it's like, I can't do that. And God just told you to do it. Well, if he told you to do it, he's going to anoint you and he's going to give you the gifting to do it. You know, or he's going to say, you know, you should buy toothpaste for the food pantry. Well, Lord, I don't know. Well, start with one tube. You can get one tube for a dollar. Start with that. You know, but a lot of times we shoot God down because we don't think we're good enough, that we can't possibly do that. But And then we don't give God anything to work with because we're afraid to step out in that. You're so quiet. Okay. Um, here we are. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And that's mostly your character. We're going to recognize you by your character. Do you love your neighbor? That's what God said is a fruit, to love your neighbor. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That's a work. And cast out demons in your name? That's a work. And do mighty works in your name? That's a work. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Casting out devils, those things cause, you know, people who prophesy. And I'm not, you understand what I'm what I'm saying, I, I I know I'm speaking to mature Christians here. You know, people who need prophecy all the time. People who, um, you know, need, well, we just cast that devil out of her. We just do this and do that, and God's going to show up. But they need that kind of spiritual excitement all the time. But there's no depth on the inside. Now, you all have depth, so I'm not talking, uh, you know, please don't hear and think, oh, my God, she's talking about me. Because I'm not talking about anybody here, okay? But um, we've got a, a thing in the body of Christ 
where it's all about doing, going out and serving and doing. And this is what I'm getting at. You're going out and serving and, you know, we cast out a devil. Where's the fruit of that? You know, we've, we've got churches that I could name churches, but I'm not going to name churches, big mega churches where, you know, they claim that they've raised the dead, but they don't have any proof of that. You know, or they claim that this one was healed and that one was healed. They, I read an article about one of the churches and the, the person had gone in and she had gone in to write about the church and she had trouble with her knee. And she said that they all descended to pray for her. And she finally, she lied to them and told them that she was felt better because they just wouldn't leave her alone. And so then they're going to come with all these works that really were not from God. Do you see what I mean? We're, 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 we're so in the body of Christ right now. We're so works oriented that we've left the word of God out. I mean, look at some of the names of the churches. You know, it doesn't say church anywhere to me. You know, and I'm not trying to insult anybody, but some of the names of the church, it's like they're ashamed of the gospel. Wait till you see our new sign that's coming out of here. It should be up if we can get one of you men up. I think it's coming in on um, Thursday, and it's going to cover that whole sign, and it's going to be double-sided. But it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Romans 1.16. And it's out there, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And that's what we're going to put out there. We're not going to put some cutesy little, you know, come as you are. Come as you are. God loves you. Just come as you are. No, we're just going to go right for them and say, we believe in the gospel here. Amen. So that's one of these things is that they're trying to get in by works, by Lord. Look what we did. We did all this. We gave backpacks out. We did this. We did that. And, we exa- and he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. What he called them to do was to sit and pray and do the works directed by God. So we've got that one side. All right. They were trying to justify themselves by God, by their works. Their hearts weren't right with God. You know, but it, it can be a high You know, when you've got everybody loving you because you're passing stuff out. And now I want to make a commercial, I guess. Please consider, we we do want to make, um, have any of you ever heard Operation Christmas Box that's run by Samaritan's Purse? We want to do that this year, and I'm going to order the boxes pretty soon because then you could start filling them up. I think I want to even have the children's, maybe the children's ministry you have the kids bring little things in too but that's that's something that we've prayed about and we believe well this would be a nice way to bless somebody else and it wouldn't be that stressful because if we start it now it's not due until november but anyways that was a commercial so we get back to our regular program here okay so they they did the works but their works weren't to further god's kingdom it was to further their kingdom it was like, oh, you know, God's going to show up. He's going to show off. You know, you got to come. you got to do this. It was all for nothing because they didn't receive the direction by faith. So that's the first group. Okay, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right side, but the goats on the left. 
Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So is God expecting us to do works? Yes. Yes. But it's his works, not our works. The things that he tells us to do. The things that he wants us to do. You never know. Sometimes you think that somebody's got it all together and God might say, you know, I want you to give them a phone call. And it's like, oh, God, I'm so busy. But you don't know what that person's going through right then. And see, if it's just a little thing that we can become sensitive to the voice of the Lord, those are the works that we're going to get our rewards for, not for the big things, not for things that have gotten to be so crazy in the body. And I don't want to, you can read the rest of it. Then he'll say in the left, depart from me, you cursed. For I was hungry and you gave me no food, etc., etc. And they said, you know, Lord, when, you know, when was that? Well, you missed it. You missed it. So God does require us to do things for others, to help others. But these groups of people were just trying to justify themselves by a mere confession of faith. These are the ones that they say a sinner's prayer and go to church a few times afterwards, but they don't grow. They just come in, they repeat a prayer after the preacher, they maybe shake his hand, and then they leave, and then they say, okay, well, I'm saved. But there's no difference. There's no depth in their personality. There's no change. They have no desire to do anything. They don't want to come to church. They're not really that hungry. Sometimes they come in, you see them for a couple of weeks, and they're gone again. Then they come back. Then they're gone. Well, what's the problem? They're not really born again is what the problem is. They've got to have a changed nature. So it says in James two fourteen through 18, What is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? We've got to have evidence of a change. Amen. Can that kind of faith save him? No, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. If a brother or sister is without adequate clothing and lacks enough food for each day, and one of you says to them, go in peace with my blessing, keep warm and feed yourselves, but he does not give them the necessities for the body, what good does that do? So too faith, if it does not have works to back it up, it is by itself dead, inoperative and ineffective. But someone may say, you claim to have faith, and I have good works. Show me your alleged faith without the works, if you can, and I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith by my works. You can't just say you have faith. But now you have to have discernment, because there's some people that are always needy, and they'll suck you dry. And that's also another, that's another lesson for another day. So we have to always say, God, is this what you want me to do? 
Because I can tell you as church secretary, you sure get a lot of needy calls. And I sat for years being the buffer between me, between the pastor and, and the outside world. You know, and we get them here too occasionally. You know, they want to speak to the pastor. And I could, I say, well, because they, they don't know who when they're picking up the phone. They don't know who they're talking to. And it's like, can I speak to the pastor? Well, you can, but can you tell me what it's about? Well, no, I want to speak to the pastor. I don't want to tell him I'm the pastor's wife, and I've also had 20 years as secretary, and I know what you want. You know, if you have a legitimate need, normally you would tell the person on the phone that you have a legitimate need. It got so bad up in Pittsfield. Here we have random calls, really not that many. But um, I finally just started saying, well, you know, have you tried going to your own church and asking? (laughs) It's like, why are you calling all the churches? And then I found out that the Red Cross tells them to call all the churches to ask. So anyways... Not that we wouldn't give, but there you have to have discernment because they will suck you dry. You know, some people have such bad luck. I mean, it's like this one guy just, he he needed diapers for his grandchild every month. And it's like, God, that kid ought to be in kindergarten by now. You know, (laughs) it's like you hear the craziest stories. And if you've ever sat on, on the other end of the phone at a church or some Nonprofit, you could probably verify and have some more of your own stories. But there are people with legitimate needs. And we want to have discernment so that we help those that have a legitimate need. Amen? So or do we all have understanding on that? Because I don't want you to go out there and go, well, Sister Pat says we're never supposed to give to anybody. (laughs) Or you can hear it the other way. Yeah, she said we're supposed to give everything. So that's not what I'm not saying either. When I'm saying seek the Lord and he'll show you what to do. Amen. He'll show you what to do in every situation. Luke 10, 25 through 29. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test and said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbors yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And that's the story of the Good Samaritan. And at the end of the story... In Luke 36 or 37, he asked the man, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Show mercy to people. And if you're so high and mighty that you think that you never had to have mercy, you just hang on and wait. Because you're going to need mercy someday. And if you have not shown mercy... You better hope that God has mercy on you. If you sow mercy, you're going to reap mercy. If you show love, you're going to reap love. Amen. The law of sowing and reaping is truth.
And maybe you can't do a lot, but it's not the amount. Think of the widow woman. She brought in two mites, and Jesus just had a party over it. You know? It's not the amount. It's your heart. See, he's only after your heart. Think about it. He owns everything. Everything he has is his. So, if it's his already, how can you impress him by more, doing more than what he's asked you to do? If he asks you to do something little, that's what's going to impress him. If that's all you can do. But usually what happens is we come up with a list of why we can't do this. Well, Lord, you know why we can't do this. And then God usually at that point when you're giving him your list of excuses, he's really quiet. And he kind of backs off for a little bit and says, okay, when you're done, I'll I'll be back waiting for you. Okay? But don't, just don't feel that you're you're not able anymore to do something. Everybody is able to do something. Amen? Everybody is able to do something. I don't know, learn a new hobby. I mean, there's so many things you can do. You start thinking about things, you know, maybe you can't do what you used to do. You can't ride a horse anymore. You can't do this anymore. But, you know, there's other things you can do. And it would be exciting in the discovery. And then you'd give hope to other people. If you would do something and, and you know, and it would be like, wow, I, you know, I tried that and I was kind of reluctant to try it, but I tried it. I mean, it wasn't easy for me. I'm not one to try new things, okay? We go to the restaurant. I pretty much order the same three things on there. Clarence is all over the place. He orders, he wants to try everything there. You know, I don't. I I like to try what I know is going to be good because I know how much it costs to go to the restaurant, and I'm I'm pretty frugal, and I don't want to have something that I don't like. So I I stick to a few things that I like. I'm try. I'm getting better to mixing it up just a little bit. You know, I'll try something. Sometimes I'll try something off of his plate, and I go, "Oh, that tastes good. Maybe I'll try that the next time." I'm not really good with trying new things. So when I got up here. And I had to go to do water aerobics. It was a new thing for me. I wasn't comfortable doing it. Okay? I don't sit there and advertise it. And I'm, not, I'm telling you this now. But I wasn't comfortable going there. It was a new place. I mean, it's like, well, where's the locker room? And, you know, all these questions that you have. But I did it because, number one, I was desperate for some exercise. I needed to do it. And I wanted to do it. I was so drawn to that water that I, I got above my fear. So there's things that you maybe want to do, and you could tell the Lord, I want to do it, but I'm a little nervous about it. Get somebody to help you, to cheerlead you, to push you through it. But do it. Try something new. You know, get on, I think it's hillsdale.edu. They've got all bunch of courses on there if you're looking for some free good constitutional law they've got all these they've got good free courses you won't get any college credit but you can audit it and have some get some knowledge behind you you know there's other things that you can do volunteer at the library or you like dogs volunteer at the dog shelter or there's so many things that you can do if you just open your mind a little bit instead of just doing the same thing that you do all the time you know how many friends I've made at water aerobics? I know, like, I, there's like 60 people in this class. And I'm looking around saying, holy cow, look at all the souls. So look at that, Lord. 
And it's a blast. I tell you what, it's a blast. I go in there, I know probably about 20% of the names. Other people, I just talk to them, I know them. I talk to everybody. You know? It's just, it's fun because it gets me out and it gets me with people that I normally wouldn't get. And who knows what you would try what you have on your heart to try. Maybe you want to learn a musical instrument. Maybe, I don't know what your thing is. But go out and try. I don't even swim, okay? I don't even swim. And I'm in there doing swimming things. And there's the one lady that came last week. She can't swim. She's afraid to go above her waist. And I said, it's really not bad if you just come out just a little bit and encourage her to come out. So think about something that you want to do. Make your request known unto the Lord. And you don't know who you're going to rub elbows with. You don't know who you're going to meet that's outside of your little circle that you're in now. But your life isn't over with yet. Your life isn't over with yet. And imagine if you touched elbows with somebody that's supposed to come to this church and they only came because you started doing something a little different And then you'll have a more fuller life than just sitting there feeling bad for yourself because you can't do something. You know, I don't know. But it's not faith and or works, but it's a faith that does work. Got one more scripture, if you guys can bear that. In James chapter 4, 13. It says, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue here a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for little time, then vanish away. But that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, and this is what I want to leave you with. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know to do good and you withhold to you, God counts it as sin. See, because we're born again, we're we're held at a higher standard than the unbelievers. So if you know to do something good and you walk by it, if you're that Pharisee that walks by that man that's laying in the gutter, you know to do good. God holds that against you as sin. Or if you say, well, I'm not able to do that. I can't do that. God holds you to that as sin. See why? Because that's self-will. You can't tell God what you can and cannot do. Your life's not your own anymore. You know, you were bought with a price. So we start telling God, I mean, look what happened with Moses. He tried to get out of his assignment. (laughs) He said, Lord, I can't even talk. I stutter. So God said, well, send your brother Aaron. He speaks good. Just go do it. And so God might say, well, you know, send your brother with you or do this or that. We have all these excuses and all these reasons why we can't do things. Amen? Am I just talking to me? We have all these reasons why we can't do. And God says, you're bought with a price. You can do it. You are able. 
yeah, but God, I have this infirmity, and I have this, and I can't do that. And I Well, can you pray? Can you move your mouth? Do you speak in tongues? You want to pray? Oh, God, that's hard work. I'd rather walk a mile. <laughs> now I'm calling you to pray. You can do something. Like I said when we started tonight, if you were totally useless, God would kill you and bring you home. So if you're still here, you've got something to do for God. Now you just have to be bold enough. How many is bold enough tonight? Is this ministered to you to just step out and do something and not feel like just because you're older that you can't do what you, well, yeah, you can't do what you used to do, but you can still do something. Amen? You can do something. Make something out of the time that you got left. Amen? Do something with yourself. Make it a a plan. I'm going to win people to the Lord by my charming personality. I'm going to win people to the Lord because I'm anointed. I'm going to win people to the Lord because I'm going to go do something that I've never done before. And I'm going to meet people that I haven't, I'm not comfortable meeting. I mean, you think it's for somebody from Massachusetts to be up in horse country? I mean, you think about it. It's kind of, you know, it's a whole different thing. You've got to reinvent yourself. So anyways, what I leave you with is do good, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? And that's what faith action is, is loving God, trusting God, obeying God every step of the way. Amen? So we're going to pray. And if you really want to reinvent yourself, if you really want to obey God, I'm just going to have you to stand. Because I think we need to make a profession. And I don't usually ask people to do anything But I feel that this is a message where we're talking about faith works. So you're going to have to do something. I'm not asking you to come down to the altar, but I'm asking you to stand. You know, if you want God to reinvent your life, reinvent yourself. I mean, what do you have to lose? Amen. Amen. I I wake up every day. I got nothing to lose. Amen? Amen. You got nothing to lose. I wish you could come to our house. We've got so much joy in our house. And we have fun. And we try different things. And we just coming up here and working together in unity. I mean, we've had to reinvent ourselves. You know, we've had to do different things. We've had to learn things. I painted that desk. I don't know how, Sherry, how you missed it. (laughs) I painted the desk the other day. I just got tired of seeing it the way it was. The paint, I read on there, it said, it goes on purple, dries brown. I said, oh, this is cool. So I'm painting it. I didn't tell Clarence that. And he comes in, and I said, look, honey, the desk is going to be purple. And he goes, oh, no. (laughs) It's not going to be like that, is it? So I had a little about five minutes of fun with him until it finally started to dry a little bit. But, I mean, how much fun is that? It cost us maybe $10 for everything. It was $10 worth of fun for me. So you reinvent yourself. You do things that you've never done before. We got and we got that file cabinet out. Sherry, did you see the file cabinet was not in there? Go look. <laughs> that thing weighs about like three. I can't tell you how much that thing weighs, but um, we got those drawers out. I cleaned out the drawers, 
And we couldn't budge that thing. <laughs> so Clarence says, let's take the drawers out. Because I think he's afraid when I come over here by myself what is going to happen. So he usually comes over at some point to check on me. And we take the drawers out. The drawers were heavy. And we still couldn't budge that thing. <laughs> but I used to be single. And I used to have my own house. So I can do anything. That's so in my mind, I'm like that little dog that can do anything. And Clarence goes, well, how are we going to move it? Because he's methodical. See, he's got to he's know everything before. And I said, just start moving, Martin, start moving it. And he's going, well, how? And then I start grabbing it, and we're walking it out of the office, and we get it to the door before he even can stop saying, you know, well, this won't work. Because he always tells me, this won't work. And it's like, and we're doing it and getting it to the door. And I said, I'll be right back. And then we got a... Um, we got some cloth, and I said, okay, now this is how single women move furniture. You put it underneath the furniture. How many can testify? <laughs> and then what you do is you put it at an angle and you push it. I said, it's not difficult. I mean, I moved around hutches. I've moved a lot of things like that because you, what you do is you, in the law of physics, that's how things work, okay? So you put the towel underneath it and you push it. So we pushed it along the tile. We got it to that rug out there by the children's area and then we picked it up because there was enough room we picked it up and moved it into that thing and it's out of there finally so you have to just reinvent yourself every day every day is an adventure amen tell yourself every day is an adventure don't wake up feeling sorry for yourself amen heavenly father we just thank you for renew father renewal of life Father, we speak life into this congregation, those by faith, Facebook who've given up hope. Father, those that the devil lied to them and said, well, this is all you can do now. Father, I am asking you for an anointing on each and every person to reinvent themselves, Father. An anointing, Father, to do as you've called them to do. Father God, that each one would have, Lord Jesus, they would have a fulfilled life. It would be a happy life, Lord. Father, that they would be willing to step out into the unknown. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for just a renewed hope. Lord, just breathe where the devil's lied and said that you don't have anything left. Lord, I thank you that as they put out their hands, Lord, that you, Father, put something in their hand that they can use to bless somebody else. Father, we are thanking you, each person with an assignment, following after the assignment. Lord, put a desire in their heart to have new hobbies. Father God, new interests. Lord, help them read new books. Father, help them if they can't read, help them listen to books. Father, help them to do something different. Father, help us all to order something different from the restaurant, to try things, to trust you. God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're a good God. Lord, we thank you that these are good trees that produce good fruits. Father, we are taking authority right now over perfectionism and over things that where people are told that they're just not good enough to do something. Lord, that we curse those thoughts in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you that you give each person the desire of their heart. 
Lord, that they would follow you. And Lord, in that day when we see you, that you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Lord, bless each and every one that's standing, that you would reinvent them. And Lord, that they would have the testimony thereof. And Lord, we're careful to give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you feel washed up tonight, this was for you. Amen. If you feel useless, this was for you. If you feel like you can't do anything, this is for you. Because there's something that we can all do. Amen. I want you to just lift our hands to the Lord. You see, that's first of all, we've got to surrender to Him. Just lift it up to the Lord. Amen. Father, we surrender to You. We surrender to You, Lord. We thank You that You have everything under control. Lord, if, <laughs> we may not even feel like we have the gifting, but you can place that gift in us. And you can cultivate that gift in us, and we just give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life. To me, heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch was what I longed for. You have given life. Could you just sing it with me and just make it a prayer to the Lord and just a commitment to Him. I will serve Thee. Because I love Thee, You have given life to me. I was nothing before You found me. You have given life to me. Think about what we were. Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives or why? died on Calvary. 
Your touch was what I longed for. You have given life to me. You know, God's got a special anointing for every one of us. D.L. Moody was just a shoe salesman on the streets of a city. And a man came along and had compassion for him and witnessed to him, and D.L. Moody got saved. Gave his heart to the Lord. Went on to further education. But he became an evangelist, preaching the gospel everywhere. The Moody, D.L. Moody Institute is named after him in Chicago. Praise God. Nothing's impossible. Billy Graham was a rebellious teenager. God got a hold of him under a tent evangelist named Mordecai Ham. He walked under the tent. God got a hold of him. Conviction gripped his heart and he gave his heart to the Lord. The rest is history. Billy Graham's probably touched more lives person to person and through television and radio and what all he's done more than any person or ministry in the world. Billy Graham. Franklin Graham, his son, was rebellious. Going the wrong direction. God got a hold of him. A rebellious teenager. Amen. God can get a hold of us. Amen. George W. Bush was an alcoholic. His life was ruined by alcohol. But because his daddy was kin or, or a good friend of George uh, H. Bush, Billy Graham was a good friend of his, he said, would you go talk to my son? And Billy Graham took the time to go witness to George W. Bush and minister to him. George W. Bush is free from alcohol. He loves the Lord. Amen. He would go on his presidential trips overseas. They'd offer him a drink. And he said, no, sir, just water. Just water. Why? Because God delivered him. Listen, we may be down low tonight in our spirits, but God wants to lift us up. Could we sing this one more time before we leave? And make it a prayer to the Lord. I will serve Thee. Because I love Thee, You have given life to me. I was nothing before You found me. You have given life to me. Do you remember that? Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch was what I longed for. You have given life to me. Take that person's hand next to you. You may be holding hands to the next greatest evangelist in the world. 
Hallelujah. The greatest school, the greatest Sunday school teacher in the world. Or just someone that's just going to show the compassion of God to a lost and dying world. Amen. Father, you see the people. <laughs> you see our hearts. Melt us before you tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, minister to us. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Show us our gifting. Show us what you've called us to do. Lord, let us call on you for the anointing of God to anoint that gift and that ability that you placed within us. In the name of Jesus, we just give you praise. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, how many glad you came? Amen. That's good. Hallelujah. Friday night is practice night for those that can be here at 6 o'clock. And we'll just go over some new songs and some things that we want to do. Praise God. God bless you. Amen. Hug somebody because you love them. Excuse me, excuse me. Practice is the 14th, not this Friday, the 14th. Yeah, the calendar says the 14th. We, we got it wrong. I think it's because we had five. No, we got four. Okay, but it's the 14th. Everybody heard that? Practice is the 14th, not this Friday, but Friday week. The 14th. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We'll have to make sure everybody gets message on that. Well, Wednesday night we'll do it.